Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Ponytails podcast. I am Andres Gamboa, your host, and uh, thank you for being here. I am excited to have you here. I'm very thankful. You know, this is how we feed our dogs here at home, and so your support is very, very, very much appreciated. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thanks to everybody that's a loyal listener. Uh, shout out to you all. You're the best. If this is your first time listening to the show, if you don't even know what Ponytails is or what the heck we're talking about, uh, it's pretty simple. We interview people who sold books with a company called Southwestern Advantage. And yes, I said books, books, like physical books in the year 2023 still are doing it. They've been actually doing it since 1868. But this company recruits college kids to go during their summers in college and, you know, peddle these books door to door in different parts of the country. It's pretty bananas. It's a phenomenal experience. I myself did four summers of that program, but because it's so it's so old and uh, so many people do it throughout the school year or throughout the summer, um, there's about 100,000 living alumni that is estimated to have done this program. And out of those 100,000, we are picking up as many as we can to find and tell their stories of their experience selling books and how that helped them in their life and what they're up to now. So we're up to 209 today, believe it or not. And it's so exciting because I get to do this for a living. Um, and so it's a blast. Hopefully you guys enjoy. We've had a variety of stories. We've had people come talk about some of the hardships and really tough situations that they had to overcome. Some of them are a bit more comical and just outrageously funny stories of what can happen to you while you're going door to door. Some have been somewhere in the middle where it's inspiring and riveting. So hopefully you guys enjoy uh, and make sure you guys sign up, subscribe, follow us on whatever social media platform that you can find us on or that you normally visit. We're pretty much on all of them, uh, mainly on Instagram and LinkedIn. So make sure you check us out there. It's see events and maybe we'll be we will be coming to your city for a reunion if you sold books if you didn't sell books maybe you know someone who did i promise you <laughs> now my guest today is david shoop uh and i'm excited he's actually in seattle we was we were going to do this in person uh, over the weekend but guess what he was doing some pretty cool stuff with the book that he wrote he was doing some readings and stuff so uh we're going to be talking a little bit about that he's a published author which i'm always happy to talk to another author such a cool uh, such a cool way to get yourself out there and your ideas out there so excited about that he sold for eight summers between 1991 to 96, took a break and then came back to the company. We're sure gonna, we're going to hear that story probably in detail. And then came back for the summers of 2000 and 2001 to work uh, at the office. So he went to Central Washington University and the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. And uh, right now he works at Gong. He's the senior go-to uh, go to market management manager i think i got that right david you'll have to correct me if i got that wrong and uh tell us a little bit more about that obviously i can see as we were talking before he you know before we started recording there's probably going to be a lot of crossover from a standpoint of skills transferable to his current job so excited to hear about that he was part of the seeds organization for those of you who were as well uh whoop, go seeds uh and his favorite scroll is number seven i will laugh at the world heck yeah I like a person who has a good sense of humor. Um, coming to us from Edmonds, Washington, please welcome to the show when we come back, David Shoup. Hey, hey. That was a little... I was a little longer intro. I apologize about that. Oh, no worries. No worries. That little knock at the beginning just sent me back, sent me back to my first <laughs> door and the terror of that first door. We can talk about that later, but oh <laughs> yeah, it's uh well, we can just, let's just start there and then we'll just jump around. But, but <laughs> the terror, I don't know. I think only people who've sold door to door 
And then even within that niche, people who went for Southwestern can understand the terror of the first door. Oh my gosh. Yeah. If you sold door to door to another company, and how many companies have you go before eight o'clock on a Monday or Tuesday or whatever? You know what I'm saying? That's right. Oh my goodness. I mean, and then there's no preparation. I mean, they can help you or your manager can help you get ready and give you a sense of what it's going to be like. You could do a practice day, right? Which I think we did from time to time. We would like sure. go into the area and practice, but it's not like that first one where they literally drop you off and that Volkswagen bug drives away and they're yelling books, books to try and wake up all the neighbors. And you go to that first door and you're like, oh. I mean, I just, I couldn't think I just got out of the car and I sprinted to the door because I was so panicked that if I thought too much about it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't knock. So I knocked on that door, backed away and nobody answered. And I was like, yes, oh, <laughs> I got my first knock. Didn't have to worry about talking to anybody. Cause I think I would have screwed that up. Ironically, that's the first book. I first volume library I sold was that house uh, later that week or later that day. Yeah. Really? You went back to it and they were home and they were, they that's were right. total, total pony. They, they That's were, cool. they bought the volume library and they're, I don't recall their names, but they were a, a Mexican family and they gave me a little bit of cash to pay down, down payment. And then at the end of the summer, they, they gave me this big wad of cash and pretty much throughout the, that first summer, I would walk by their house to get ready to be picked up because I didn't have a car sure. and yeah. they would have tamale or enchilada or a burrito waiting for me. And I would knock on their door and they would give me food. And I no even, this is like, that first house I knocked on ended up being one of my most memorable houses because the family, I got little letters about how their kids were doing in school. Uh, I can't find them. This is the really devastates me. I don't have that with me, but I, I do remember that particular family and I can't, I think it's the Garcias, but I, I, I can't quote that for sure. Statistically but that, likely. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's that first Definitely house. That, okay. So for, wow, we're off to a hot start. <laughs> Oh, this is so crazy. So first of all, you could say pony in Spanish. It's still pony. So total ponies. That's <laughs> but right. The time out, if you tell a kid your first house is not only going to buy at some point, but then they're going to feed you at the end of every night. That's uh, <laughs> wow. What I lucked day. out. I really lucked out. They were really kind of my big fans of me. So yeah. And I was That's a fan awesome. for them. Heck yeah, man. So where, were you, where was this first summer at? Austin, Texas. You wow, that's hot. That's a yeah. Hot it summer. was yeah. It was hot and it was a, you know humid midday. Right, midday is always the pouring rain day, and so half of my time I would get soaked midday because I couldn't. I was really bad at getting in houses and knocking on. I mean, I was really good at knocking on doors, but I was really bad at getting in houses. So I would get rained on a lot my first summer. <laughs> wow, <laughs> lots of yeah, lessons. Walkers are walkers are man. That's. <laughs> That's brutal. That's people who go sell books walking. That's a different kind of beast. That, it's I good mean, for me though. I was a wrestler in college too. So I get, I was able to all summer get a lot of exercise in. So I yeah. didn't come back to, you know, come back to college and wrestling out of shape. I was in good shape. Just not wow. tan, just tan. You could tell like, you know, when I put my singlet on, tan. you can see exactly where the shirt ended and my shorts <laughs> ended right in my singlet and stuff. So <laughs> Well, wow. So you went to Austin, Texas in 1990. That's right. One. 91. Yeah. 91. That was a crazy, really. I mean, the 90s in general, really good years for Southwestern as a whole. I think and 
you so damn okay let's just let's keep going on down this thread so we we're talking about the fear of the first store in that first summer how long did it take before you started getting the hang of it like before you were like all right i can i figured it out I it took me a long time right the only thing i had is i was i worked my butt off and and i had a good attitude right so most people probably would have quit after the second or third week because i was not making much i mean i got 29 units right? 29 units, which I guess by multiply by four, I made $120 that first week of working 80 hours. Yeah. And then I made like 35 units. And then I, I mean, for, yeah, there we go. Thank you. One unit. Yeah. Eight is a, eight, I, I don't know. I mean, first eight weeks, I improved every single day, every single week. So I, and it took me about six weeks before I broke a hundred units. So okay. I, I mean, most people brutal. probably quit. It was brutal by most standards, but I, I didn't Sand know any paper better. start. I didn't know any better. My manager said, listen, if you keep doing, you're going to get better. And then, I mean, that first eight weeks of my summer, I made maybe $3 per hour. Let's just say I'm, I, I used to have the number in my head, but the last four weeks I, I was selling 350 or more units per, per, I mean, I was doing really well in my last four weeks because I figured something out. Yeah, you, it clicked. It clicked That's for right. you. It was a click. Did someone? I think someone knocked on your door because your dog's going off. That's you right. Someone. It, it might be a book salesperson knocking on my door. Yeah, go check. There, someone's trying to get some units. <laughs> it's probably. It's actually probably uh, my hardback cover of my my children's book coming. I, Wait, I, is I'm, it really? I'm supposed to be getting my hardback cover of the book today, oh. and maybe or maybe today. That's what it said, but we'll see. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. Okay. Do you want, do you need to go check on your dog? Make sure he's okay. No, Amber's fine. That's fine. Okay. It's amazing that you could hear that so well. That was good. Yeah. Well, now it's coming really clear. Maybe, I don't know. Well, you want me to pause? We'll be all right. We might, we might. Well, good. That means the person who was bringing the book or bringing whatever it has. What if it's actually your book? You want me to go check? Oh my gosh. That would be incredible. If it's actually your book and we get to like display it for the first time. Yeah, let me go. Is this well, the first I, time you're seeing it? This would be the first the time I see the hardback cover. <gasps> okay, so, go check. If it's not your book, if it's not your book, it's okay. okay. I'll make some announcements in the meantime. That's amazing. <laughs> okay, we'll pause for a second, then I'll, I'll run and go yeah. do that. Okay. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, how exciting, guys. We might we might get to see uh, a first time. This is, As an author, trust me, when you get the hardcover copy, that's a big deal. I haven't done that yet. And it's exciting. But while David's away, uh, really quick, I want to give a quick shout out to some of our friends here at the show, some partners. Hey, if you guys want to support us, if you really want to support us, it would mean a lot to me if you listen to this because they're going to change. Some of them are going to be probably repetitive, but some of them are going to change. It would mean that's a great way to support in a non-financial way is just listening to what some of the people in the community of the alumni uh, you know, Southwestern alumni are doing. So first of all, of course, big shout out to Cardinal Senior Benefits, Quentin Roberts, Pedro Vega, Nick Dale, Greta Huerta, a bunch of people are doing some really incredible stuff out there. Um, they have had really good success working with people that they heard that, that heard about them through our podcast. So if you're looking to do a career change or if you're maybe you're in the Texas area, actually they're in like 40 some states. So you could probably just call them and see what's up. They're in the insurance industry trying to, and talking to people about uh, late-term insurance for senior citizens. So make sure you guys go check out that opportunity. There's going to be a link below so you can go see more information or at least have a phone call with them, learn more about that. Pretty solid money on that too. And an amazing culture. Speaking of amazing culture, of course, Southwestern Real Estate is another friend of ours here at the show. Pat Roach, 
uh, is uh, is a pal, mentor of mine, and we've been working, partnering with them since way back. One of a few partners that always started working with us from way back then. Um, and they're also offering a career opportunity. So if maybe insurance is not your flavor, you're looking more to learn about real estate, get your real estate license, and start joining a community of people who are really, really invested in your success. Uh, check out Pat's company, Southwestern Real Estate. Make sure uh, you click the link below or reach out to us if you want to support you in touch with Pat. Um, and on that, let's go back to David. Boom. There you are. Was it? Oh, my gosh. That's yes. It. Let's go. That's it. Are you ready? Okay, so let's, this will be a really good oh snippet gosh. because I want Yeah, wanna... this is incredible. Right. Normally, I have my boys sitting next to me as I share this, but this will, this is kind of a special oh, moment. So... Oh, I don't want to take away from that family. Oh, my gosh. Right we'll now. do another one. That's okay. It's okay. Um, okay. <laughs> here we go. I hope it's well, it. It's going to be like some weird it. book that I didn't and order or something. This is a great segue too to like uh, to to talk about your authorship because it's so oh, cool. That is it. it. Is. It's my hardcover. Oh, wow, love it. Look there at go. that. That's so cool. Nice. This is the first one, and I'll just like my other first book over there. I'll sign it as my first book that I've ever received, and I'll keep this one. That's yeah. amazing. How does that feel? Oh, it feels really good. It was super special when I got the first book, right? Just publishing and you've done it, right? You've written a book. You've yeah. written one. You've had a lot more words than mine. Mine's like 600 something words, but, um, <laughs> you know, but it's a rhyming and it's a really well done book, I think. But uh, I mean, it's a special Incredible. moment. It's a special moment. All that work. It took me yeah. from idea to creation, probably 10, 11 months. Yeah, it's and it's effort. I mean, it's like trying. yours might have been even longer with your book, right? So, um, actually, no, mine was I got lucky because it was the pandy, so I got to be able. I got it in like two. I think it was like sixty-eight days or something. Oh my gosh! From, Holy from moly! Blank, blank page. Yeah, but I didn't have to find an illustrator, so it takes. I mean, I feel like that's also a thing that takes. Because so that's right. let's talk about this. Let's talk. We can talk about authorship because this is. I love this conversation, and we don't get to talk about it enough. Um, but okay, so let's talk about your book first. Okay. And, and let's talk about where the idea came behind it. What is it? What, who is it geared for? Where did it come from? You know, what made you want to move to pursue this, 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 uh, this project? Yeah. So, I mean, the books, the adventures of Wembley, the pug, and this one's titled Wembley's first day of school. And this is going to be part of a series of books. I'm in the process of writing book number two. Uh, the idea came years ago, right? And I had originally written a book about my pug Elvis, Right. Elvis, the pug is my guy. Right. Um, and he lived 18 years. And over the course of the years, I would create memes. Right. I would create a little meme with Elvis for all the holidays. And Elvis is the best. I mean, I just loved him so much. He was just, he's the quirkiest pug on the planet. Just I mean, if anybody's got dogs, they know what they're talking about. You fall in love with your dogs. Yeah. Um, and Elvis was just the best. So I would create memes and I've got a re reasonably good sense of humor, I think. <laughs> um, uh, and, you know, for holidays, like for Thanksgiving, I'd say happy food day. Right. I'm, I'm, you know, and Elvis, it's from Elvis. Happy food day. I will start eating all the treats now or happy nurses day in honor of your day. I'm going to eat some food or I'll, I'll take some rest or April fool's day or April foods day. Right. Like, Elvis loved food. Uh, he loved to sleep, right? Right. He loved and he and he loved just kind of being a lap dog, right? I mean, there's a lot of little things he loved, but um, and so I created all these memes, and it's funny. 
around where I live, people know Elvis more than they know me, right? So when I had a dog sitter walking, by, hey, that's Elvis. Where's his owner? Where's the other person that walks him, right? And so Elvis became kind of popular and several friends of mine had just said, you should write a book about him. And then I had that idea. That idea stuck wow. in my head for quite a, about, for about eight, six years. And then he passed away. And when he passed away, I was like, why did I think about writing a book and not write it, right? And so I yeah. finally had the courage to write the book unfortunately when he passed away, but that was the impetus for me to do it. And um, yeah, I mean, I had an idea of a story called Elvis goes to sleep, but when I was working on it, I hired a team of people to help me figure out this whole publishing process. Mm -hmm. Right. I, if I did it on my own, it probably would take me about a year and a half to figure it out, but hiring yeah. a team, it really took me honestly, actually about eight months from when I committed to doing it. Um, and the team I hired, they they walked me through the whole process and they helped me figure out just about every piece with exception of to your point the illustrator i had to find that on my own and do all that on my own sure and so you know i i, I elvis passing away was the the driving force that had me do it wow yeah and so it's no, called so wembley you... the pug uh yeah why why was why is not elvis the pug right because by the way the adventures of elvis the pug are already two children's books and elvis the pug itself is a trademark name so i can't do i couldn't i couldn't pick it i had written what? the story four months into my my process i find out i can't even use the name so i changed it to wembley the pug which is a combination of my two dogs winnie and ember wembley wembley so, yeah ah very cool that was Very a condensed cool. version of the journey right there. No, no, that's, that's, and that's great. I mean, I, I, I think it's, it's, it's hard. People, I, I don't know how to say this. It's hard to write a book. It's hard to write any book, you know, whether it's a children's book, because it, children's book is a different beast because of the, uh, like an animated book like that. It's, it's just to find the person that really brings to life the idea that you have and captures mm -hmm. the essence is really tough. And some people charge, it's expensive. It can be really, you know, did you self publish? I worked with a hybrid publish. So this team I, hi uh, yep. I hired Miriam, Miriam laundry publishing. They're going to be Got fine it. with me saying their name. That's fine. Uh, they, sure. I hired them to walk me through the whole process. Beautiful. So they helped me and with the editors and the, all the things. I yeah. love it. That's the way to do it. You got to get someone who d knows what they're doing to avoid mistakes. Otherwise it's going to take you way longer. Yep. That's exactly. I did something similar, but heck yeah. And now I want to brag about you a little bit. Um, so four months ago, I saw this. So I saw this on your LinkedIn which by the way, if people were listening, want to, want to connect with David and go to LinkedIn. Um, so uh, all the support and energy were able to nab eight, that's eight separate number one release banners in on Amazon, which was number one in children's dogs books, number one in children's books on the first day of school, number one in children's issues in school books, number one in children's school issues, number one in new experience books, number one in children's issues in book kids and Kindle Number one in children's siblings books and parents books. So all in the children's category for all those different topics. Yeah. In Canada, you were number four, number six, and number seven in a bunch of different children categories. I mean, really, really cool to to have that be. It's not easy to get. I mean, to be a number one bestseller on Amazon, it's not the easiest thing, especially in the category of children's books, because there's mm -hmm. so many people out there. So congratulations. It's eight different categories that you were number one in. Yeah. That's thank you very much. Impressive. Yeah. Yeah, number one in new releases in seven of those, and number yeah. one fully across the yeah. whole banner of yeah. of books, which is that's so much more than I could have imagined, right? At the time, yeah. 
but you know, Southwestern really helped me because we're never alone. Right. And so I reached out to a large swath of friends and coworkers and what we call ambassadors to help me market it. And, you know, and, you know, so I reached out to close to, uh, this is where Southwestern really comes in though, because my manager, the, the person who was coaching me on this, she said, yeah, most people get about a hundred ambassadors. And I said, well, okay, I'm going to try and get 250. And then I got 400 ambassadors. So, you know, <laughs> I, you know, that's, that's the equivalent of a thousand unit. That's Dave Rosen's first summer yeah. of selling, you know, you know, <laughs> uh, that's the thousand unit person right there. That was a pretty awesome. So I had a lot of people to help when it was launched to promote and support it. And so, yeah. I, I, you know, I didn't do it alone, but I, but that Southwestern experience and really just selling it and telling people about it and getting the word out and not being afraid to ask all those things are really useful skills. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's so awesome. So um, the story, can you tell us a little bit more then about the story itself of Wembley and what, what like the first and now the sequel that's coming up and kind of like what the, what the tone of it is, yeah. what it feels like, what it's about. Yeah. So Wembley AKA my dog, the stories are, I think I want the stories to be about courage because mm -hmm. one of my personal core values, right? One of my personal core values that I have here, right? Is courage, right? There you go. The courage, the strength to face challenges with fearlessness and faith. And so I want to, I want to be courageous. And so how can I help other kids learn the value of being courageous and trying and, and, and even though you're afraid, still try. That's first part. And then the second theme that I want to make sure I include is th this idea of family or support systems, right? You never do it alone. You always have someone. And so this particular story is Wembley's first day of school and he's nervous. He doesn't know how, right? He doesn't know what to do, right? The opening thing is he's slumped on his bed and he's nervous he's like what do he's, he's I wish he's i wish i was brave like my brother my big brother i wish i had mom and dad with me it's my first thing it's nervous you know even talks about am i gonna make any friends will anyone care all the kind of fears that go through young kids minds and i have some experience because my younger boys I, I kind of related to some of their their issues right and when they're nervous yeah. and so how do you overcome that fear you got to try and you got to remember you've overcome a lot of little things and so the story is about that. And it's the story is about how the family rallies around to help Wembley get prepared for school and all the things he's going to need and the stuff that he's going to need to use to be wow. successful before he goes to school. And that's kind of the theme of most of my stories, at least as I start right now, I want them to be about courage and then something like this one's about family, courage and family. This another one, right? The next book I'm writing is about Wembley gets a new sibling. Right. And all oh. the fears about younger kids and well, when this new sibling arrives, are they going to be more important than me? Am I, am, right. am I going to lose love and attention and those kind of fears that go through kids' minds when, yep. when they're a new sibling. And so be courageous. It's okay. And then it's about thinking more than yourself. I think this is, yeah. as I'm thinking about it, I'm still in the editing process of the first draft. Sure. So as I'm talking, the idea is even coming that I'm glad you asked because it's that's beautiful. It's additionally about right this idea that you it Wembley needs to be selfless, right? He needs to think about okay, think about your little sister, take care of her, and and so parent. Yeah. I mean, I read about this. I read for probably an entire day about psycho psychologically what goes through kids' minds and the research, 
And then I tried to weave that into the story and how the story goes. And my story, they're in rhyming pattern. And so I, my background's in acting. I got my undergraduate in acting. I got my master's in acting. And Shakespeare is something that I learned a lot. So I applied this rule of called iambic pentameter Whoa. to yep. this, which is basically... I wrote the story and then I, how do I condense it in 10 syllables? But up, but up, but up, but up, because that in the rhyming pattern it needs to be simple. And so, you know, I went through nine edits to finally get to the final version, but you got things like, you know, dad smiles and says to his worried son, being afraid is normal, dear one. Trying new things can sometimes be tough, but doing your best is more than enough. So the rhymes really help kids learn. It makes boom, it easier boom, boom. for them yeah. to learn the words and they can almost anticipate the word that's coming too. So, wow it's been fun it's been fun and that's the way that's these so particular cool. stories will be they'll have that same kind of rhyming pattern and yeah I, i'm really excited about it. you see wembley in the background i got a little stuff yeah. that i'm creating <laughs> that's awesome um and so that's I, so cool and this is all this is all like side job because i have a full-time job and yeah and so yeah I was going to talk to you about that too. We'll talk about that too, but but I just I just love talking to you, especially someone who's in the middle of the authorship process. It's such such a cool place. I remember it was hectic when I was going through that same process, but also so exciting, especially when you get the manuscript done, like the when the writing, the words of it are done, and yeah. you get that final edit, like you said, and you're like, all right, that's such a milestone. That's, that's like, right. Whew, I mean, that's like summer one. Right, you just ate all the crap that, you, that that's really the hardest part. <laughs> now the rest is just logistics and trying to just find the right person to fit the especially well, and and if you're using the same illustrators, now that part of it is easier. And that's it's right. just like and it's just like now it's just all really money, which if you have it doesn't have it's not like extremely expensive, but if you have enough of it's not cheap either. But if you have enough, then it's like okay, we got that part checked out. Yeah. So now it's just that now it's just checking all the boxes. That's right. And well, that the first part of it is so fun. It's such uh, a fun place to be. When I got that first, when I finally got the approval, because you can't move on to illustrations until you've really picked the full. Right. You can't be editing it as you're going. Now there were small edits that I had to make, right? I found my illustrator, then I realized I had to change it from Wembley from Elvis to Wembley, but syllabically, right? Elvis, Wembley, same thing. It's okay. It True. didn't affect mm -hmm. the rhyming pattern. Um, but, uh, you know, once you've, you've got to get the editing and the words right, then you give it to the illustrator. And that was a, that was another process. I mean, I looked at 40 different illustrators and reached out to agencies and finally found Antonella, who's my illustrator, who I adore. She's out in Argentina and she's so good. She captured kind of the energy because Elvis slash Wembley had to be perfect. Every other yeah, one of the characters I mean, could be, it. there could be some wiggle room, but Elvis had to be right. I had to have the right energy and she found right. it. She, she did. It's, she nailed it's it. It's like, it's like Mickey's mouse. It's I mean, you got it or bugs bunny. It's gotta be That's right. on or it's not, it makes or break it for sure. It's gotta be. And you, it's such a cute pug. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. He's so good. I'm uh, it's so it's, he's a, he's just adorable. Um, it's when great, I first got man. Wembley there, and I brought it home. I did a little video and showed everybody oh, unwrapping Wembley and w William, my old, my youngest, just like he had to have Wembley and take Wembley to sleep because it was that cute and cuddly. And so that's what I want. I want to have stuffies that are kind of fun that kids want to just hug and read the story and just love the little yeah. guys. So it's part of, it's part of the, it's part of the author life, man. It's, that's right. It's the business of the it's author, so fun. right? Cause people think it's just all oh, you write. No, man, <laughs> it's a whole business strategy. It's you have to, the whole thing has to work. Yeah, that's so incredible. So thank cool. you. Thank you for that. What's, it was fun. Uh, what's, it's been fun. Yeah. 
now for you so multiple books it sounds like but what else is like the north star like what's the 10 year vision or a 20 year vision from this besides you know having some merch and and, and like multiple series like or do you want like a tv show like what's the dream oh my gosh you know I haven't thought that far because I just, my first goal was to create, just do a, a book. And then I realized this is a good character. And as I was doing the process, then I started thinking bigger. Right. And so my initial goal is let me make back the cost that it cost me to expand to, to pay sure. for this. Like yeah. recoup my costs. Check. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in a great place. Right. But as we're talking, you know, I, I mean, I have thought that I'd love to have, at least five of these stories, if not 10, right? In fact, last night I was even thinking that when someone gets an entire book of these, all 10 of them, it has the picture of Wembley on the on the sides. Yeah. That's how many books I want to have where you can see when you put them all there, you've got the Wembley on the side, right? Um. That's how big I'm thinking. And I know it, it, it only takes the one right person who loves it and promotes it and then people want to buy it and it goes everywhere. The message yep. is great. It's clean message i think it's uh real valuable lessons cute uh and, and i think it will really i think it can really resonate but yeah this is really just a fun thing right and if it ends up being blowing up great if it doesn't i'll have 10 books that are reasonably successful that are be you know i mean 10 that's thinking big right but i wouldn't mind a million copies sold i wouldn't mind some of these bigger guys like elephant and piggy and the pigeon books sure. and those you know some of the, the scaredy cat, I can't remember. The, I think it's something cat. Pete the cat, I can't remember now. But, you know, there's some really well-known books out there. And I don't see yeah. any reason why Wembley couldn't be up there. So, Absolutely. It's so cool, man. That's I love that. That's awesome. Also, here's the deal. As we've been talking, the, you're, you're the perfect guy to write about courage, man. You, you you start that's the whole conversation here started with you having the courage to go and knock on a door you said <laughs> I, just, I sprinted to it so that i didn't have time to talk myself out of it and like let fear set in you just right. did it you, you were courageous and hey free burritos that's right. it will end up being a boat you know, who knows right you don't know what what's on the other side of that attempt you it could never be free know. burritos that's right i mean honestly me, that's the best i know anybody who's sold books they you know and, and you know you understand how awesome it is to have like a great meal at night when you come home and you make a peanut butter sandwich for your dinner versus yeah. a home cooked dinner and they oh. package it and they give it to you to take home and Warm. you just oh i mean it was so it was so and great. it's homemade it's like oh, oh with love good. and they cared about you yeah. they're like you, you know can taste the love you <laughs> the hot sauce when you got the love yeah that's great oh, yeah, that's great so yes oh, that's man. right courage i feel like i i like to live my life with that now i fail a lot I, and there's a lot of times I'm not courageous, but I try, I try. And that's all it takes. That's yeah. so cool. That's a great lesson. Congratulations, man. Thank that's you. Awesome. Thank you for Thank sharing you. the, uh, giving us the honor of opening your first hardcover. Oh my gosh. That how was cool so... was that? I mean, what a, what a, yeah. what perfect timing and, for this. And how poetic your dog was barking in the background and like that we were like, maybe that's the package. And it's a book about your previous dog. It's like dogs and books, man. I feel like I that's, know. that's changed your life. Dogs are the best. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's awesome. Except for those dogs um, when they try and attack you when you're selling books. Besides those. Yes. Chihuahuas, man. Chihuahuas. <laughs> Golly. That's the opposite of burritos. That's not fun. That's, no. I got bit twice and both times it's chihuahuas. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, no. It. Golly. Not fun. But pugs were always nice. <laughs> pugs are just right. 
cutest, sweetest little snorters, the snorters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. Um, let me, uh, let me ask you about this. Uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about gong before we got into some Southwestern stuff. Sure. Um, just because, I mean, we've, we, uh, we've been talking about children's books and courage and, and now there's this like the whole other side of business that you're doing. And I, I feel like I can kind of see what, based on what you were telling me about your job and, and, and stuff, I can see how it relates to how, the things that you learn in Southwestern can totally, yep. you know, impact that. So first tell us a little bit about Gong, what it is that you do at Gong. Um, and I, I was looking into it. I thought it was kind of cool. Usually I don't do pre-approach, but this time I was really, really curious because it's such an interesting name for a company. Uh, but yeah, take it away. Uh, what is Gong? What do you do there? Well, Gong uh, is a, uh, an intelligence platform, right? Uh, some people would call it a call recording, but it's a lot more than just call recording. Yeah. It's a full service platform. Uh Basically, I mean, I'm not going to do it justice. This is why I have really great salespeople who, who pitch it and and and, and message it in, in a great way. But Gong is, uh, it helps salespeople make more sales. It listens to recordings. It it basically, I think it 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 has so many interactions, over a billion interactions. That's calls, emails. It takes all the data and it supports a sales team, a salesperson, in helping to drive. Uh, business for a call for a, for a customer. I mean, in fact, it'll record a call and it'll help you know what types of phrases and terms that you say that help drive a sale and what uh, hinder a sale. Right. Hmm. Right. So if you're working on a specific initiative on sales and you're driving and, the, and these keywords are helping drive sales, it helps with that. Then it also reminds you if someone says something like, you know, Hey, uh, you know, I need to talk to you in three months. Can we postpone? It's intuitive enough to know that you're saying this is kind of the this is like a delay sale, you know. So it's gonna send it's gonna create an email for you. It's gonna help create an email for you to help you reach out and say, hey, it, it, it helps you. It's hold your hands. It's like takes the CRM uh, wow. client relation manager and helps you with all of that. That's a very I'm not doing justice to what it is, but it's pretty awesome. Do I have some people that needed? To chat with you about using that service um yeah reach we'll out we'll, yeah we'll, we'll uh, book guys actually that we'll i'll uh we'll talk to you about it after the recording but yeah, yeah i got some connections great. that you need to reach out to so that's um, gong right and what i do if that's your yeah yeah i was gonna say where, yeah where are you going like so so what are you there what do you do there of that by the way great service for anybody who's been in sales and calls especially that's great service, but oh my gosh, I wish I would have had it right. And for enablement, it just helps me be as an enablement. That's where I'm on the go to market enablement manager. And enablement. my job is my clients are our internal employees. And our enablement team focuses mostly on go to market, which is the sales or you know, engine of our company, right? Our sales reps, our customer success people that help, uh, you know, post sale, that kind of thing. We help with that. And so my job is to help ramp our enablement, our, our sales team up and learn, learn product or whatever. Specifically what I do, one of the major roles is I'm the new hire onboarding person. So when people join the company, I'm one of the first faces that they see. And so I help them with that first week, introducing them to Gong, introducing them to the product, introducing them to the people that are going to support them, introducing them to our core values. And so I like to live those core values. And so I've been fortunate enough that the company sees me as kind of a cultural fit that I fit. And, you know, I live those kind of core values that we have as a team and a company. And so, you know, things like act now, right. That whole fear about act now that 
I applied yeah. when I was a college kid, knocking on that first door, things like that. Raving fans, no sugar, right? Tell people the truth, right? Really be open. Things like that. Are, are, that's what our first week is about is like getting them inculcated into the culture and make them really feel welcome and excited about their job. Secondarily, I do speaker coaching and leadership prep. So I help leaders and I help our presenters who present content sometimes um, deliver that content better. Right? And so my background is in sales and I created a whole training system on how to present, which should be another book, which I've written half of it already. I just, at some point I'll, I'll write the other half of it on how to yeah. deliver effective presentations. And so fortunately they've got me and I'm pretty good at this at helping people create presentations that are engaging and that make the, your audience want to listen to more and want to pay attention. And so that's kind Phenomenal. of a very condensed version of what I do. That's so cool. Well, I mean, it's easy to see the transferable skills from Southwestern into Gong, like especially your role of like, okay, so we have a person that's fresh, join the company your job is to help them acclimate to the culture and right. given that the culture is good yep. from what it sounds like you know if the culture is good and your job is to help them acclimate to that it sounds a lot like well you know for the most part what we did when we were selling you know it's just teaching people to like get acclimated let's do yeah. execs <laughs> that's right that's right as we call it the i think the first week in in, in sales book, book sales term for our seeds people we had a 56 point checklist that everybody would go through before they went and sold books they'd have to go through all of these things things like it it's going to rain sometimes it's going to right and so you're going to walk I'm basically i'm giving them the yeah you're going to have to walk sometime yeah you're someone's going to say no to you and they're not going to say no to you nicely a dog might chase you. All of these things that you got to be prepared for before you get into actually knocking the door. So when it happens, you're not surprised. You're not like, oh my gosh, nobody told me this was going to happen. So onboarding is let's let you know about all the people in the company, all the resources, all the different organizations so that you know who to go to if you have questions. And so that you're starting your second week, which is going to be segment, you know, into the different segments that they're going to go to different specific sure. roles that they're prepared and they have kind of a foundation of gong. I was, I don't, I tried to, I tried yeah. to parallel them. It was kind of parallel. Yeah. But not so that much. makes sense. No, that, that absolutely makes sense. And it's, it, it's, it's an important role because if you're the first face that they see, like those skills of getting people to trust you right away, genuinely, not just like faking trust, right? Like actually being open with them and having them trust you that way, getting people to, um, be courageous and like, you know, vocalize their concerns and, and answering objections to people who might get nervous when they start a new job and mm -hmm. getting them prepped for the next emotional step. All of these things that we got taught, you know, in training at sales school as a B manager, you know, it hugely transferable. That is sick. So, so how did you land at Gong? Like, where did you, did, since, cause you left in 01 from Southwestern. So when did you start at Gong and what kind of led you to this? Oh, one. Yeah. Okay. So then in between one and there, there was a lot of little things that happened as a result. Right. Um, I, I went to Iraq as a morale booster. And while I was in Iraq, this is going to be the condensed version. I'll do it. I was a mo what? morale booster. And while I was in Iraq, I was starting to create some, I wanted to be a motivational speaker because I remember seeing Mort Utley on video my first summer and having chills 
from a recorded version of Mordotly going, that would be so cool to be able to do that. And, you know, fast forward now. Yeah. Holy shit. 10, you know, what, 91 to 2001, maybe a little longer than that. Cause I was in New York as an actor doing stand up and comedy and stuff like that. Wait, um, wait, what? <laughs> Did you know I do stand up? No, I didn't know that. Oh, dude, yeah. All right, so let's backtrack a little bit more. Hold on, then. Hold on. Oh, we'll back it. We'll roll back. I went. To, I moved to New York in two, the, October of two thousand one, right after nine eleven. Um, yeah, I had a handful yeah. of agents that had to cancel me as their agent because of nine eleven threw everything for a loop, and so I had a couple agents that were interested that were no longer interested because they just didn't know what was going to happen. So I had sure. to start everything over. And so I decided to do some stand-up comedy. I was a fitness trainer in New York. I was one of the best in the, in the state, uh, in, in New York City. Wow. And um, not because I was most knowledgeable, but because I worked my butt off. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, but I did stand-up comedy. I did some acting, uh, stage plays and whatnot. I was trying to make it as an actor. And I got onto right. some soap, uh, you know, a couple of soap operas. You know, one life to live from time to time. I was able to kind of get in as an under five role. So I was trying to make it right. Trying to no make my way. way. So cool. um, Did you do stand up like at the cellar or like I went to Caroline's comedy club. Uh, nice. I went to Gotham comedy club a lot. Um, and I think there was like New York, New York comedy club stand up just a few kind sure. of places I was at most oh, of the time so though cool. for the bigger events. I did a lot of um, what do you call them? Like open mics outside of that. Yeah. So yeah. all of the all of the Gotham or Carolines were ones where I had to bring people. So I didn't make yeah. a lot of money as a comedian, but I learned a lot of skills about creating yeah. content. You know, things about being brutal with your content. Don't like get to the message, right? I remember my specific comedy coach told me, and this is this this is applied to my my work now, is this idea of being brutal. I remember coming one day. And this is uh, one of those days where you were, I was a week, basically, I was getting my teeth knocked in for auditions. And I was such a bad, actually, I was just over like 15 or 20 for auditions over the course Ooh. of that month. I was just getting hammered, right? And I remember coming into this one audition. Have you, just imagine this, you walk in and you have your little resume, right? And you're ready. And right when you walk in, before you even get a chance to say anything, they say next, next, like, that's how my week was going. I was getting and, it's, and, and to it's top like it week off, two of the summer. That's right. I was just getting <laughs> hammered, and I wasn't not I interested. Was, oh. But I wasn't coping well. Right, summertime I coped a little bit better. I think then because I was expecting it, but I wasn't coping well. And I remember this particular week there was a lot of rain happening. And I promise I'm getting to my point. Uh, but great. there was a I'm ton of rain. and I was in New York. And if you live in Seattle, and you tell people you're from Seattle. What's one of the first things that people associate with Seattle? Heard it rains in Seattle. Rain. That's right. They'll say it rains. And and this was happening all the time. And so I used to kind of come up with this phrase. Well, actually, it, the average rainfall in Houston is more than here yeah. in Seattle. In fact, it's just light rain. And I was trying to, you know, trying to, you could tell a Seattleite if they're not using an umbrella. And I was trying to, but I got mad. I finally just got so pissed. I went to my stand-up comedy class. And I was mad. And one of the assignments they always give you is come in with some material and just talk it through. And I came in and I was, I'm a PG person for, for the most part, but I was not PG this night. I was like, it effing rains. We know it effing rains. It's not like I go say you're from New York and you get a lot of people stabbing you. What's going on with this? And I'm just bitching and bitching and bitching <laughs> for about five minutes. And my coach says, you know, 
are you are you done? Are you okay? And I said, yeah. He says, I think we have something funny. Come back to class next time. And I want you to take that same joke you just said. And I want you to say it in one minute. And I was like, wait, what? That, I mean, that was like a five minute oration. And so I went back, I took it and I condensed it, came back. And in that, I did it. And I got some laughs. People were actually laughed and not terrified from me. Right. And he says, all right, we got some jokes. Let's do some work. Let's see if we can cut that joke into 30, 30 seconds. I was like, what, are you kidding me? And so we did and we cut it and we got more laughs. And then he says, all right, next class, you got to come back and you've got to do that same joke in like 10 seconds. And I said, what are you talking about? It's good enough. What do you, and he says, shoop. Most people call me shoop. Do you want that joke to be good enough? Or do you want people rolling on the floor laughing? And what do you say? No, good enough's fine. A mild chortle sure. is good. No, it's like, well, no, I want him to laugh. He's like, then you got to be brutal with your content. And so I went back, I cut it to 10 seconds and some of the best laughs on a literally prepared presentation I've ever had. And so that ended up being my opening joke. I'd say, hi, I'm from Seattle. Thanks so much. Yeah, we know it rains a lot. You don't have to say that to me. You're from Seattle? You get a lot of rain there, huh? A lot of moisture, a lot of precipitation. It's wet in Seattle, right? It's not like we do that to you, Andres, right? It's not like I go, hey, you know, you're from New York. You get a lot of stabbings, huh? A lot of stabbings in New York. And then boom, I'm off and running. And I have this whole joke about rain and a whole series of bits. And so I've taken that. All backs to it. Oh, yeah. I've taken so that that mindset of being brutal with your content. Don't be married to any one piece of information. To my sales interactions. To when I was delivering memory training, teaching memory training to professionals. Be brutal with your content. Don't over talk. Just keep it simple. Uh, just like this particular 72 minute oration I just had, I didn't keep it simple. I got to apply that technique to tell the story. I'm uh, just kidding. <laughs> hey, but sometimes good ideas come out from like that, those, those stories, you know, more things come out and more things come out. So that's good. I'm glad yeah. that it's, 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 plus it's loose format here, but that's I understand, right. you know, it's, um, don't say in, don't say in seven words or you can say in four or whatever is like brevity is the soul of wits kind that's of right. idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did. So I did stand up for uh, like four. I mean, I've been doing stand up since 2017, but the pandy kind of put a damper on. Everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially living in Portland now. So it's, it was kind of brutal. So it's kind of tough to continue. But uh, but yeah, for a while, I mean, it was like we were getting it and you we were just really doing a lot of really cool stuff. It takes a lot of time to get a get, you know, to get five minutes of material. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. People think it's just like, are oh, you just a five minute speech? No, it's not. It's like a 50 minute speech that you're telling in five minutes. That's and right. Yes. That's exactly. So when you see a comedian out there and they have like an hour special, like the amount of work that had to go to just get that hour, whether yes. it's good or bad, but just to get it out there is insane. This is like really I think this conversation could really display the levels of like how being a professional comedian is like being a professional like NBA player where it's like, no, there's a reason why those people are go like where and here's the thing you can't cheat it's the only art you can't cheat and what i mean by that is you can't i mean i guess you could steal jokes but eventually you get found out right well that even more go, so now there's like, no chance yeah there's because videos are everywhere and you can have timestamps. but so it's so what but i mean you can't cheat it is you can't just not be funny like you have to be funny and you have to have good material from the standpoint of funny. And now anybody can be funny. Well, most people can be funny. But like when you see someone who has an hour-long special and it just kills for an hour, the amount of time, effort, dedicate, blood, sweat, tears is equivalent to Steph Curry shooting threes, man. It yeah. is. It's elite. And the people that can do that, I mean, that's the dream for me. I remember when I was in Gotham, to your point, um, 
uh, Jim Gaffigan. Are you familiar with him? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, he's, he swung by, he, he swung by to do a, a routine. And I had one of the, my, the producer of the show says, Hey, shoot, you, you, you have five minutes now instead of seven. And I was like, why? What's up? Jim Gaffigan's here. I was like, Oh, okay. And so sure. Jim Gaffigan went on ahead of me. So I always like to say that Jim Gaffigan opened for me because I went right sure. after him. And the, fortunately he was just trying his material and his material that he's just trying out is still hilarious, yeah. but it, but he had some jokes that just were clunkers and that's what they do. Right. They just go yeah. and they try it out and try it out. That's and try exactly it out. right. You got to get the, you, you got to get real time feedback about whether it's funny. And I don't care yeah. how famous you are. If your joke's bad, it's bad. Right. It's not, yeah. you're not going to get the laugh. So. Yeah. And on so, the other hand, the blessing of that too is true is if your joke is good, it's good and it yeah. will rise to the top. It's, it's, you're playing your instrument from an art standpoint, your instrument is not your words and it's not your humor. Your instrument is the audience. And so if you can play it well from what you're saying, which means you can get them to laugh, it don't matter if you're fat, if you're skinny, if you're a man, if you're a woman, if you're old, if you're young, if you're ugly, if you're pretty, like, doesn't matter. It does not matter. If you not are funny, it's funny. And it doesn't even have to be the same kind of funny. Some people tell stories. Some people tell one-liners. Some people do pup, like uh, yeah, puppets or whatever. Yeah. The, the, what is his name? He did puppets. Some people do. It, it, but if it makes people buy tickets Jim, to uh, sit down to laugh. Bill Engvall, Engvall you're talking about. Uh, yeah. What, yeah. What's the other guy? There was another Oh, guy. no. It's Jeff, Jeff. 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 Foxworthy? No. No. Oh, I, I know what you're remember. talking about. It'll come to me. It'll come to me. Yeah, Don't worry about he it. He has jalapeno on a stick or whatever. That's right. And, <laughs> and Ahmed. The, yeah. That's right. uh, Jeff Dunham. Dunham, and, there uh, we go. That's not Bill Engelow. I'm sorry. He's a here's yeah, the no, no, guy. You're good. But but like, but that's my point. It's like if you are funny, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You can't cheat that. And what, what these guys get to do, uh, uh, these people like who are super professionals, once they're past a certain level, like you said, they just show up and even their practice stuff is really good. Like, yeah, it's at like, a different oh, man, level. Even yeah, because yeah. they just they just know what to say. Um it's really cool art yeah. art form and 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 it's, it's i think it was the only art form that couldn't that with, with the pandemic really you could still practice with your band in your garage during the pandemic you could still like work in an album you know what i'm saying with your buddies but in comedy it's like i need the open mics to go try this outrageous yeah. thing that i just thought about and you need live and, audience feedback yeah. right you need that you kind need, of laugh or need, no laugh you need to hear it yeah i got absolutely. a lot of no laughs and i think i was really you know a relatively funny person but i it's an it's, it's a tough, it's man. a beast, right? It's anyway. So I did that for about four three That's and a half amazing. years. I'm glad you. I'm glad we had that bit there. Yeah, Sorry, that was good. Yeah. No, we were talking about kind of my my trajectory, but you know. Yeah, yeah. That's what I did in New York, and then I I went to Iraq as a morale booster. While I was there, I was wow. figuring out, you know, the personal development stuff that I wanted to create my goals. I wanted to say, how do I do goals? How do I do something like Mort did when he was, you know, and I remember I was away from iraq at the time and i looked up roger sype who was another book guy yeah also did Cause comedy because I, I knew that he was a speaker right and he had but i didn't know yeah. he had a business he had a business called freedom freedom speakers and trainers which yeah. is now freedom personal development and i i called him i said hey i'd love to i looked at their website and i loved it and i said i'd love to do what you do and i was gonna fly back but i was gonna fly back to iraq but i could cancel any time so i did and i went to uh roger it watched him deliver an, a memory training in Tennessee and said, I want to do that. Right. And so I learned how to be a real good presenter for about eight years as a memory trainer. And I taught time management and I taught, uh, you know, uh, speed reading techniques and I kind of honed my craft and I started honing 
what makes a sale, what, what helps drive a sale, what helps not. Uh, and that's where I created my presentation technique before I transitioned to, with a couple jobs in between, to uh, a company called Tableau. So I created my own kind of presentation technique. I call it the sofa system. It's for introductions. It's how do you deliver introductions effectively? Um, and I had been wow. applying that to memory training people that I've been coaching and things like that. And, uh, and so that's what helped me get in Tableau, not because I had any technical background. I have no technical background. Um, I really lucked out. Although, although I did audition, I did interview for five roles and had 32 interviews before I finally got hired at Gong. I mean, at Tableau. Um, so I got turned down a lot when I was interviewing for Tableau because I just, I was a nice guy and they think I could do well, but they, I don't have any of that background. And so it was like, how do I get the background if I can't get in to get the background? Right. And so it was just me being persistent and I had some good people in my corner and um, Nate Vogel, I ended up working with Nate Vogel, who's another Southwestern guy who you should have on the podcast. He'd be great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, and, the, and the rest is history. And that's where I started doing trainings and I really did a lot of speaker coaching at Tableau. Um, and then I've transitioned here at Gong to a little bit of speaker coaching, but mostly the onboarding at Gong. Tableau's a, a data, data company. So that's so cool. And then you end up at Gong. That's a great journey, man. That is so awesome, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool. So cool. Um, okay. So before we go into some Southwestern stuff and a little bit of it, went to go finally like or put a bow on gong if people are listening and they're like hey i want to learn how to like maybe they want to come work with you or they think it's a cool idea or they want to like learn more about gong and it and it as a product or as a career is there like do they contact you for that or how does how would yeah how they could they, they could go to careers at gong.io um, or they could reach out to me specifically and i'm happy to take some time and talk to them they can connect with me on linkedin it's probably the best way for if it's if it's like gong related they could reach out through linkedin uh and i'm happy to talk with them further about about the position and if i if i don't know enough about a specific role i could forward them to someone else we are really a really great company and we have some really great people who can help answer questions about gong so that's so cool yeah. oh that's awesome man um and then of course your book you can find it on Amazon. We'll also include the link to that directly so people can just tap below and go buy it. That's right. Um, so we'll have that so you guys can scroll down in the show notes and you'll find it there. And they can well. go to the, um, they can go to I think you have that. Maybe you might have it. The www.wembleythepug.com. You could go to that. Oh yeah. If you have it. Yeah. Um and you can check out Wembley the Pug there if you want to find out more. That's um, right. It's on the screen there for y'all. Wembley. It might spell is that is there an EY or is it? No, that's it. Yeah. It's not like Wembley, okay. the stadium in England. It's Wembley yeah, without, without Wembley the Depug. Okay. Yeah. I thought I had it right. Okay. You have Sweet. That is so cool, man. Awesome. So legit, man. Author comedy. We're there speaking. I'm, I'm with you. We got, we have a lot of connections. Did we, did we just yeah. become best friends? Yeah. Yep. You want to go to karate <laughs> in the garage or whatever? <laughs> is that what he uh, says? That's right. That's so that awesome. It's a good movie. Good stuff, man. Well, let's transition into some book stuff. We already kind of a little, little bit mentioned about your first summer and kind of what, what that was like. Um, I was like asking about how the, like the first, well, yeah, let's go there. Let's talk about how you got recruited the first time you heard about it. How, how, were you like somebody referred to you? It was a green sheet. What happened? So I, I think I was through a Dean's list. 
Somebody so called you through the dean's list. They got the dean's list. And but originally I was recruited, I was called by a gentleman by the name of Eric Tack. He called me about Southwestern. And and my house was a madhouse at the time. There was a bunch of people, they were making a lot of noise. And so during that conversation, I couldn't quite understand. He says, I'll tell you what, I'll call you right back. I'll call you back later. And so I get called back. At the time, I thought it was Eric, but it turned out to be my manager. I ended up having Ty and he told me about it. He found me on the Dean's list and he recruited me to come to a call to a meeting. And you know, that's the rest of history. And I sit there and I'm in that meeting. I'm like, this is awesome. And I remember going, this is, this is my thing. I don't know why it just felt right. And I feel like I make pretty good decisions. I've made good decisions. Things feel right. I kind of go with it. And so I remember, I mean, everybody, I think who sold books remembers the first time they had to tell their parents and their brothers and their family members. And I remember telling Roger, I'm going to go sell books. He's like, they've been trying to get me to sell books for years. What are you doing that for? I said, I don't care what you say. I'm doing it. I'm going to go sell books. You should do it with me. And then uh, I remember calling my mother and I remember her being shocked and says, you can't do that. And I said, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I've tried to, you know, I tried to answer, you know, she's like, where are you going to, where are you going to stay? I don't know who, where are you going to live? I don't know. You know, how much are you going to make? I don't know, but I could make a lot, you know, I, you know, and, and she's like, she just dropped the phone and I hear, and my dad picks up the phone. He says, what are you, what are you doing upsetting your mother? What do you think you're going to do? I was like, I want to sell books, dad, door to door. And that's about what I remember about that. And they were really upset. And so what they did is they got Roger to go to a meeting to try and talk me out of it. And so Roger's my older brother and he goes to a meeting and I'm sitting in the back and I'm taking notes and Roger's sitting in the back, his arms are crossed. And he's like, nobody's going to convince me that this is great. I'm going to get brought. And the more they talked about it, Roger's language is, you know, nothing is earned. You're going to have to basically the message is, if you want to do well, you're going to have to work 80 hours a week. You're going to have to work hard. And Roger's like, Oh, they're not like blowing smoke up. They're being honest. They're going to have to work hard. He's like, oh, I could do that. You you know, you could make a lot of money. Oh, that sounds pretty good. Oh, and if you do really well, you're going to go on a sister trip to Hawaii. And I remember him. This is him. This is, this is going to be a little past PG, so I apologize. But I remember him turning back to me and going, so he sold. And I go, <laughs> pardon me, pardon me. You can bloop that out or whatever. But I remember, no, I didn't okay. do that very often. But I was like, F you, Roger. And then from that point on, my parents are like, oh, okay, you can do it. Roger's going to keep at, keep at, look after you. I was like, oh, come on. Uh, so then, you know, and then Roger sold for six, seven summers too. And Roger was a much better salesperson than I. I was a much better, like I had, a, I was a manager and I had, I was a manager. I was better at the man management than I was at the selling, but I loved it so much. I, I mean, I kept wanting to abuse myself for six summers. It was <laughs> So, okay. A couple questions. So that was right around the time where Zizzy and Rosen were crushing, right? Like that, that, and they were, didn't, wasn't Bill Zizzy from the same Washington group or no? Where am I, he was just a little bit before me, actually. They were a little before mm -hmm. me, I believe, because when I was there, Kelly Breslin or Kelly Wright, Breslin, Kelly Wright, she was the company record holder at the time. Yeah. She had so broken it after they did. Yeah, She had broken after it Rosen after she, So that's when I was there. I had joined um, and then Nate Vogel, who was one of the all-time company leaders in total units for organization, because he was such a good leader, uh, still is. And um, so, yeah, that's 
that's when it was, that was for the me. time frame. Yeah. And you and your brother sold the same for a summer. That's right. We were both. I was in Austin. That's a trip. And he was in. I don't remember. It wasn't in Wake. Not Waco. I can't remember where he was. I'm bummed. Somewhere in Texas remember. too. That's right. You we're know, both in Texas. We at some point want to have like a series of siblings that sold because there's so many like brother and sisters <laughs> that sold books and like have them riff back and forth. So we might have to have you guys. That's great. Come back. He was the best. Roger was the. Roger's always been the best. He's one of my best friends. He was always the biggest supporter of me. He picked up the sales better than I did. Right. It took me eight weeks to kind of ramp and finally kind of start getting it. Roger picked it up a little bit faster. Um, uh, I don't, I mean, it's just his style. He's just, he works harder than me. And I feel like I worked really hard, but he was always my biggest coach. I would never have quit. I would never have quit. I would have been upset. It would have been hard. I would never have quit. The the thing is I was enjoying my first summer, even though by all accounts, I was sucking really bad. Um, But because I kept improving every single week, I got, I was the first manager chosen. Right. Yeah, I was the first one that got offered to be. That's right. And so, and, and my attitude was right. And I was, I fit kind of what they were looking for. And I love Ty. Ty's one of my best friends too. And I wanted to this continue Ty, to work with him. Ty Thompson. Christensen? Ty Thompson. Ty, Ty Thompson. Okay. okay. And, uh, and I wanted to come back and work with him. And so when they asked me to be a manager, I was like, no brainer. I was like, yes. And, but I was definitely not the top salesperson. Our team was, we, we, we were a great team. We helped Ty become a number top, I don't know, top five team in the company. That's awesome, man. So yeah, and, and so there's friends back... today that I still have. Roger, obviously, uh, Jerry Morales, who's a book guy. Uh, he was on my team. A girl by the name of Abby O'Mahony, who's I think out in Portland area, Vancouver area. And um, oh, cool. I don't think they'll mind us saying their names. Uh, but um, and then um, that's it. Actually, those those that's four, awesome. including me. And there was yeah. more on the team, but those are the three people, four people. Yeah, that, and, you know, I and Michelle Mitchell, right? You, you get, or you've met. Michelle, I know her. Guys... I know her through Freedom Personal Development. I didn't really know her oh, as a salesperson. Um, outside yeah. of it, just like uh, yeah, and so I see. Yeah, that's a cool group of y'all. Like all y'all here in the Pacific Northwest area. There's a couple other y'all that uh, that that also um, uh, I'm missing. Uh, uh, I just had uh, Elliot Cohen, who's in Seattle. I don't know yeah. if you, you probably know Elliot. Yeah. yeah. So like that group of people. And he had uh, Lucas Salazar. I don't know if you met Lucas. Mm-hmm. He's a book guy. He was on the show a few episodes ago. Really wild card. Really interesting <laughs> guy. Uh, but yeah, he's a really cool dude. And so all the alumni that I've met up here have been really – In fact – in fact, the show was inspired because of alumni I met up here when we oh, first started the podcast. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, well, we got a bunch of great the, guys. Yeah, it's so cool. We should do like a reunion in Seattle with like all these a ponytails podcast reunion. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I can for I can certainly recommend some people that might be great conversationalists on the on the podcast would have great stories. Sure. Yeah, I mean, have them I mean, on anytime. We we have a fantasy football league that's all book people. Oh, and we've been doing it for. Yes. 12 years or 14. I mean, they've been doing it for longer. I joined a little bit later when I moved back to Seattle, but um, yeah. How yeah. big so, is that group? Uh, there's 12, 12 of us, oh, but there's okay. a whole bunch yes. of more that aren't sure. part of the league that we still have that are good friends of mine. So yeah, man. And it's, I it's funny. Like I can't remember who said we'll this. It might've been, I don't know who said this on one of your podcasts. I listened to a couple of them, a handful of them, but uh, very much the same for me that every job I've had pretty much, there's a Southwestern person tied to it. 
So I just kind of stick to that Southwestern family. So when I really, yeah, even the job I got in Iraq was through Jason Vogel, Nate's brother. When I got the job at Freedom Person Development, you got Roger Seip and Eric Plantenberg sure. and Tom Weber, who were all yeah. guys. And then yep. um, I did uh, Southwestern Consulting. You got Ron Alford, right? And then I did yep. uh, um, Tableau with Nate and then Gong with Nate. And then I worked at Allstate for a little bit with Wait. Andrew Mead, who's a book guy. So I'm in Ty Thompson, obviously, Whoa. you know, so all these guys are all my jobs have been really tied. Hey, was that gone? Yeah. 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 He's my enablement lead. He's the head of our, our enablement team. Oh, dude, we need to get Nate. A lot of people have mentioned Nate. Like, yeah. We, oh, I, I mean, he's a great, he's, he's a, tried. He could, he could explain gong a lot better than I did. I didn't think I did justice, but uh, yeah, he'd be great. Well, Kelly Reslin, Kelly, Kelly, uh, right. Would be great, good too. Originally Kelly Breslin. So, I'll make sure I give you a list of people that could be great conversations. Yeah. Um, from Kelly Kelly Breslin is Breslin. Kelly Wright Breslin, and now I'm and now she's she was Breslin, she's now Wright. Kelly, because we had Kate Wright. What was Kate's first? It's not it's not the same oh, one. Oh wow, that's interesting. Anyway, long story short, yes, let's get those guys on the. Yeah, air. that's so funny. <laughs> it's 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 funny that it like the, the connections that still hang on, right? I mean. Uh, that's uh, that's something that I think inspires a lot of what we do here at the show is just like there's this these pockets of sometimes dozens sometimes just one dozen of book people that are still like connected still love to get to know each other still would be interested in hearing from each other and you find them everywhere I was talking to uh, Tim Ritzer and uh, and he's got a group with like Marcel Mayer and they do like a fantasy league or something first and, and it's like another like 14 of them i think or something like that and you had you know it's just like well let's go find all these people and try to get them all like in under one banner of like hey this is all the southwestern people and yeah. we connect talk reunite share it's so fun it is a blast it is a blast and you love these these people right and they and they've been um they've been through something we've been through something that only we will, would get yeah, the share trauma, right? That's it's really share trauma and joy, right? You know, I mean, yeah, all yeah. that trauma makes it so memorable, right? And and I know yeah. that at some point here we're going to start getting into some stories, but there's things that I will never forget about my experiences at uh, you know selling books and the, I mean, even even I got into I mean, at some point I want to share my UNC story because I think it's yeah. awesome. You it's, can do it now if you want to. Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Um, I wrote that down as one specific thing. The, yeah. I got to UNC, North Carolina, and I love this. I mean, I don't know if everybody's going to like it as much as I do, but uh, if anybody knows, I got my undergraduate degree in acting, got my master's at, of acting at University of North Carolina. But how I got to North Carolina was was not easy, right? And, and as an actor, when you decide that you want to you know, audition for schools, there's one way you can do it. You can go to this, what's called URTA, which is Unified Resident Theater Auditions. And this particular year in 97, I guess, or early 98, because um, I started at North Carolina in 98. But the, 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 the process is, if you want to audition for a large group of people, you need to pass a screening first. So in order to audition for the 50 schools that all coalesce in one location, you have to pass the screening and I didn't, I didn't get passed on through the screening. So two women from some college, I don't remember 
were making a decision that I couldn't audition for graduate school. Obviously they hadn't talked to me. They didn't know. And my audition maybe wasn't fantastic. Okay. I'll give them that, but I'm not, I wasn't going to let them determine whether I could go to graduate school or not. And so I found out, obviously I knew where the audition was. And so for about an hour, I tried to get on stage and audition for in between people auditioning, I was trying to kind of break <laughs> onto stage and I couldn't get on. I couldn't quite get it. I was like, but I, you know, I should be on there. They didn't, they don't know what they're talking about. I should get a chance to audition. Um, and, but I couldn't work it out. I even went back to the hotel, changed my outfit and tried to come in from a different way and didn't get in. <laughs> and so, all right, that idea didn't work. And I remember calling my mom and my dad, and this is where they were so good. My mom passed away recently. I just love her so much, but I remember calling her and bitching sorry. about, that's okay. I remember being upset. And, and almost to tears, because I really wanted to get this. And my mom, I'm going to paraphrase, it's some version of this. I don't remember exactly now, but I remember her saying something like, well, then just give up, David. Just quit. Oof. You know? And my dad's like, yeah, yeah, just quit, because that'll be a habit you form for the rest of your life, quitting when things get tough. It's, it's yeah, go ahead and quit. And they were obviously teasing me, right? And they knew my sense of right. humor. And I was like, ah. Oh fine you're right i got out of my head i stopped complaining and then i went to the place where everyone was getting auditions right so you would meet in this group after everybody auditioned and they would give you an envelope with the schools that are all around the hotel rooms with the schools that are interested in talking to you further so some people will get one some people will get two or three schools and i went to every single person and i had a little notebook and i said hey congratulations where, where what schools are you going to oh we're going to meet with x person at uh you know at a uh in florida state and we're going to meet with oh this is a utah guy or this is a montana guy or this is that repertoire so i got this master list and the hotel rooms that they were in and i went back Free to my approach that's right and i went <laughs> back to my hotel room and i crafted a script and the script was, hi, my name is David. We haven't met yet, but, right, right I created this <laughs> I'm script. The one that's, I'm the one that's been talking to all the schools here in the hotel. And my, my version was, well, I didn't get passed on through the screening, but I really feel like I deserve an opportunity. I was looking at your school, and I know that you guys are a top school, and I'd love the chance to audition for you right now. So I went to 32 schools, and I said, uh, as I'm looking at my calendar right now, I've got a meeting with Bonnie Raphael in the University of North Carolina here in just a minute. I've got Brant Pope at Florida State here in just a minute. I've got, uh, you know, I can't remember her name, at, you know, Rutgers. And, and, uh, would it be better to do it now or could I catch you after I chat with them? What would be best for you? <laughs> out of the, let's just say 30 auditions, out of those 30 auditions, how many people do you think said yes from those? Now, my Southwestern training would tell me one or two out of 32, but every because single, of how you did so good, all of them, I was going to say Every yes. single one of them said yes. Of course, they're not used to this. They're not used to someone literally having the guts to just say, hey, they're wrong. I deserve an opportunity. I'm going to talk to you door to door. I'm going to chat with you. Now, I did a little pre-approach. I learned a little bit about each one of them, and I, and I had already done sure. research on those schools. And you anyways. had a names list, especially That's as, right. as they started yesterday. Like, yep. And I even showed them it and I did this and I said here and I was like, you know, and uh, and I got to audition for every one of them. And as a result, I had three schools that genuinely expressed interest in me. I chose North Carolina uh, as a result wow. of it. And, um, you know, the rest is history. So thank you, Southwestern. Right. Thank you, Southwestern. That's for so that. crazy. <laughs> I went door to door to go to graduate school. Wow. Yeah. So. 
Um, wow. I remember telling Ty too. I remember him being there when I got it and telling him the story and how proud he was. And this was my manager and someone I yeah. admire and respect still to this day. And I remember telling him and how proud he was. And I was at his mom's house and his mom was like, yeah, you know, it was just, I can, I remember the moment saying I'm definitely going to this school and how cool it was. So. Damn, man. That's a great story. <laughs> so persistence, like right? Don't give up. In fact, I wrote down all the schools. I gave them to several of my classmates who didn't get passed on either. I said, I'm going to go do this. You should do it too. None of them did it. None of them went to school. And so, you know, the That's award takes, goes man. to the person who puts them out there, right? What is that? There's that core that the, the, the success lies to the man in the arena whose yeah, face is man in the arena, right? Yep. That man in the arena. I'm not saying it right, but you get the point. My whose face is that's what it's marred with blood and sweat and tears or whatever. Who know you know, that's a great one. And I don't know why I think about that. The courage. You know, that's my favorite quote. Oh, that's that good. My favorite quote. Yeah, yeah. Are you it's pulling it up right now? Counts. Yeah. Yeah. It's at the critical counts, but or who points out how the not what the hold on. I got I got it right here. Man, that's so badass. So either way, it's not the critical counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. That is awesome. Oh, Thank you for saying that one. Quote. That gave me chills, right? That's what makes me think about yeah. that, right? So, so good, man. Oh, you know what? Guys, this has been a great episode. Thanks so much for listening. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's <laughs> Mike so drop, cool. Boom, right? Yeah, just uh, get out of here. No, man, that, <laughs> that's uh, it reminds me of uh, Michelle Mitchell and Eric Plantingberg. Actually, Eric and I are going to do an episode. I think ours is going to be in person, and we're doing it. Uh, we were talking about doing it at uh, Hum's headquarters in Bend. Oh, right on. Talk because... to him about his, his summiting of Everest. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, we've had Griffin Mims who helps people summit Everest, actually. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So if anybody listening wants, anyway, Alpin. I was just talking to Eric today, actually. He called me, like, you know, this is how cool people are, right? Eric just called me today. I'm getting married in June. And he called me just to say how excited, just to say hi, right? That's the kind yeah. of people, that's the kind of friends I've been able to be be around. And Southwestern is just those kind of people who just call because they love you just and they want to say hi. Yeah. And they're celebrating you and your wins. Yeah. That's right. And we learned the value of recognizing someone and catching people doing things right, yeah. which is, which is really cool. But yeah, yeah. Your story reminds me of Michelle, when she talked to, she was doing the show and she was like, you know, at the time, all I knew was how to go door to door and how to make kombucha. So we started going door to door and selling kombucha. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's here. Like, I mean, it's here. It's everywhere. I see it brand. everywhere. It's a national brand. It's yeah. I did crazy. the, com I helped do the commercial when they were, at, when they were, uh, when they were in the Seahawks. Yeah, I did the voiceover. Yeah. I did one of the voiceovers for one of the characters in the commercial that promoted hum kombuchas in, in, the, in the Seattle Seahawks. That's awesome. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> so, bug people, man, they're awesome. They are. Oh, bro. Okay, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm making sure because you said we're I'm trying to keep your schedule tight because you said are we good, good to go for a little bit. Okay, yeah, we're good. We're good. Um, this has been great. Yeah, I mean, I love this. Is what I get to do. Isn't this fun? Mm -hmm. um, I have I have a blast. I'm honored every time someone shares. So you have more stories written down. I want to get to those. I want to get 
to all the stories, but I also have questions throughout. So we'll just kind of keep sure. it going. Um, at some point, we'll do like the ponytails. So those are when those are your favorites. Like that's when we keep the the favorite stories. But uh, not yet. I wanted to ask you a little bit about because earlier you mentioned something, and I want to dig into this. You mentioned you're better at management than you were at sales. Um, and so from your standpoint of like helping someone come on to onboarding and from things that you learned in Southwestern, I guess if you could give me like three to five, maybe I'm someone who's sitting and I'm thinking about recruiting or I'm trying to improve the culture of my company or, uh, you know, help people adjust to my industry, whether that's real estate or whatever it is. What what are like three to five really good tips that you have of your experience with Gong and or, or Southwestern or you know your career in general that you could give us from like a management standpoint of here's do's and don'ts of onboarding a person into your company? Okay, uh, yeah. So first off, I think I mean that's a great question. I I immediately I thought I wrote down immediately I thought down show that you care. Okay, love that. Like people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've heard that phrase before, right? You've heard that phrase, right? And I feel yeah. a great leader will show, will will let you know that they care about you. Now they don't have to be your best friend, right? They're not. I'm not saying that you have to be um, the biggest, most a present person to them all the time or whatever like that. Right. And, but I think it's hard for people to want to listen to you if they don't think that you care about them or that you don't have their best interests uh, at heart. Um, and so I th- Oh, am I, are we there? Okay. Oh, we froze for a little bit. We're we good popped out. Nice. Remember when we were selling books, right? And I, I don't know if you heard this, but the, the, the power of a, a great team meeting, right? A great Sunday meeting can help set them up for a good Monday, but a great one-on-one meeting can yeah. set them up for a great week. Yep. Good old so PCs. the idea of how do you have an effective one-on-one with each person, right? So each person that you're at PC personal conference, thank you. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I'll coach, sometimes I coach leaders on how to have effective meetings and how to have effective one-on-one meetings, right? They're two different things, right? A meeting is one thing. And then a one-on-one is a different thing. And there's different kinds of one-on-ones. There's the, like in our businesses, there's the, there's the strategical where you're talking about their business and you're helping with strategic. There's, um, you know, you're talking about their data and their numbers and that kind of thing. Then there's Mm -hmm. kind of the personal where you just talk about who they are and how they're doing and you kind of get personal with them. And then I call, I call it a, like a a unscheduled meeting or impromptu kind of meeting. Those one-on-ones that just happen. And oftentimes I will coach leaders and I give them some, you know, how do you have your one-on-ones? And they tell me, well, I put a personal, sometimes I put the personal and the, and the technical together. And that's good sometimes, but every now and then you need to have an impromptu meeting where you just call them out of the blue. You might, if you have to schedule an impromptu meeting, put it in your calendar to schedule an impromptu, but to them, it seems like an impromptu. Sure. Nate Vogel is so good at this. He, I call him like a walk and talk where he's walking by when we were in person 
virtually it's a little different. So it's maybe you pick up the phone. I'm on my way somewhere. I just want to see how you're doing with no agenda. Just show them that you care. That's a couple of ways that I think, you know, how are you investing your time with them? Are you helping them hit their goals? Are you keeping them accountable to their goals? Mm. I'm not sure if this is what you were looking for with regards to answers. Yeah, this is great. How do you have a good one-on-one? What are you putting into that one-on-one? Do they know the purpose of the one-on-one? Do they know what your end and goal is? What do you want to have happen? I have a, currently a manager of mine that I'm working with that he's my manager. And I love his style because he goes, I want, I want to know what your goals are. But I also want you to know what my goals are. So this is just transparency. Mm. And if I'm not living up to my goals, I want you to help keep me accountable. And same thing. So when I coach the leaders, like how are you keeping them accountable to their goals? Are you letting them, are you getting, letting them in a little bit on, are you kind of letting them in a little bit about you? Maybe be personal. So that's all in service. Of really good. That you care. So good. And you know, it's, it's a skill that, you know, a lot of book people can and know, I mean, you learn this when you're talking to Mrs. Jones, but you also learn this when you're doing the recruiting of like, Hey man, just like really no, letting them know you care is almost like step 1.5 step one is care and then let <laughs> them know that you care right because you because and, and the reason i'm making that distinction is because sometimes people didn't learn this right away when they were first starting to be managers and granted there were 19 year old kids who just had one summer under their belts so you know which is fair but mm-hmm. they think that caring means just asking questions and not actively listen or just you know thinking that memorizing their birthday was important or something like which you know it is but it's more like no like sit down Look them in the eye, ask them what's going on, what what things are going well, what things are tough personally, business-wise, and just becoming – you don't have to be best friends. You don't have to go to every cookout or whatever, but it, no. it does – It there is something about helping people feel seen and helping people feel heard mm-hmm. and valued, right? And yeah. people overlook that all the time. Yeah, And I think that's really good advice you're giving. I like the strategic, personal, and then like an impromptu. Great. Yep. Great. Cool. Great. Cool. Oh, that was good, man. <laughs> yeah. This is uh this has been advanced sales and recruiting. <laughs> it's been so fun. fun this is fun. I love so talking fun. about this stuff. Now, when you think of your career in the book field, what what's what are some of like the 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 more nostalgic parts of it? Like, do you ever think of things that you're like, oh, like for example, for me, I cannot knock on a door and just look at it. I have to knock. I have to step back. I have to turn sideways. I don't know why, but I every time I still do that too. I still do that. I give them space. I back up, even if it's like I know them. I, yeah. I back. I back up. I give them space to look at me. Right. That's funny. Do you ever have anything like that, that that you still recall, or like, or as you think of your stories, that you're like, man, this this has stuck with me since. I think of the morning mantra. You know, when you wake up, what are you saying to yourself? So there's a training that I offer too, is like, well, you know, how do you start your day? A lot of times salespeople, you know, they warm up into their day and it's about midday when they finally start getting to doing something. So, but how are you setting yourself up to then start your day? Right. And it starts with kind of, how do you talk to yourself in the morning? And so oftentimes I wake up and because I've got family members, it's now a whisper. But when it was, when I was single and by myself, I would say it out loud. And this is a phrase and I can't remember who said it might've been, I can't remember. Someone's going to jump in and they'll say who it is. I cannot remember, but I got this morning. I'm alert. I'm alive, friendly, cordial, firm, and enthusiastic. I'm ready to, right. 
You remember that one? I'm alert. I'm alive. Yeah. I'm friendly. Cordial, yeah. firm. I can't remember I, who that was. I still use it, but I've added something to that, right? I added more to it. I'm alert, alive, friendly, cordial, firm, enthusiastic. I'm ready to face this day with vim, vigor, and vivacity to change lives for the better. It's going to be a great day. Ooh. That's what. And so, Ooh, you know, yes, sir. sometimes you need to act your way into positive thinking. And now I'm, no, I'm not perfect at it, but I, I really, really put some time in and talk to myself in the morning and get myself started. And, and so that always comes back to me. I mean, that's something I live with every single day. Um, I love that. Yes, that sir. comes to me, right? I need to start doing that. I stopped doing that. I used to be able to shoot out of bed and just like start like happy, like really af af uh, positive affirmations. But I haven't done that as much lately. So thank you for reminding me of that because yeah. I think I need to be doing that. Well, we were even talking that. about at the beginning, right? Where you've got this phrase that you use when someone says, how are you doing? I'm taking oh, over yeah. the world, right? That's right. I how are you? That. I mean, that is so great. I'm taking over the world. And so I will say things like, you know, if I, I got this from Roger Sype, if I was any better, vitamins would have to start taking me, you know, I that's mean, good. That's versus good. the standard, I'm fine. How are you? Right. I prefer a little bit more. Right. And that's talking to yourself. That's telling you. Yeah. Even if you may not totally be feeling it, you got to talk to yourself sometimes. What did you say to me? I, that was really good too. You're like something oh, Frito Lays. Oh yeah, no, I'm trying to come up with some new ones, right? Because I've got yeah. the, I've got a few right now. One is if I didn't, if I was any better, vitamins would have to take me. If I was any better, there'd have to be two of me. If I was any better, Gong would have to change its name to Shoop. If I was any better, this is another one right here. If I was any better, Frito Lay would have to change the name of their chips from Scoops to Shoops. <laughs> And it's funny and you get someone laughing and just think about that customer Good. service person on the phone, right? We were talking about, yeah. and they're like, they, they typically will give a little chuckle. Yeah. So I, maybe I made their day a little bit. I've changed kind yeah. of the way they think about it. Pattern disrupt. It's a pattern disrupt. Yeah, man. I do that too at the, at the drive-thru where yeah. it's like, it's just like, Hey man, how's it going? And like, what do you, do you want anything? I'll ask them like, do, do, anything else? Or it's like, well, what do you want? Do you want something? They want like an ice cream or something? They'll look like, I'm okay. Oh, you ask just something like that. Oh, it just good. changes makes her day and my wife my wife used to roll her eyes at it but now she loves it because it was like i mean i do this everywhere i go i always try to have something where it's like not just not not for my sake but because i for example i've worked retail and i know that it's everybody's always the same but the, when there's that one person that's different at least for that day you're like there's this person today at work that blah right and so just to be able to do that is is really fun and it just if, if i know it's going to make that if i know it's leaving that person better than i found them it's worth it yeah. to say you know That's even right. if it's silly or outrageous or whatever like oh my gosh you know we talk about the cool card right you've ever heard about the, we we're, is that a southwestern thing the cool card oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. there we go the that's cool right card, yeah man right you gotta let you gotta let that cool card, you gotta tear it up because it'll come back but you gotta get rid of that cool card from time to time right dan moore this i think is the one that cool taught me card. that yeah this yeah. cool card is so cool i don't even need this cool card to be cool I that's right Oh, good, man. So good. What else? Walk me through some more of your highlights before we get into some points. Actually, hold on. I got an idea. Let's do this. I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions now. This is Ooh. like a little segment that we have. Okay. Um, and more rapid fire. It's more like just because it's like a pick your favorite of this type of thing. Um, and then this is going to jog some more memories. So then you'll oh, okay. put them on the chat and then I'll open up the mic for you to just tell as many stories as you want. Um, okay. So here we go. All right. And. And you could start from like your least favorite to, I mean, they're all going to be good because everybody picks favorites, but like pick like when, when we get to the rap ponytails, save your best one or your favorite one for last. Cause that way I, 
Yeah. Uh, okay. We'll end on a we'll end on a big high note then. Yeah, for sure. On a high note. Yeah. But but first, here, here's some rapid fire questions. So, out of your eight summers, or I guess six that you were actually selling, like knocking knocking, what was your favorite territory, whether that be state or city, that you sold in? I, I'm gonna go with Austin. I loved Austin. Austin's first summer. Yeah, first Austin was pretty cool. Austin's great. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite kind of turf, whether that be big brick, uh, country, suburbia? Uh, low income, high income, middle income. I like the middle income where the houses were close to each other, so I could go bing, 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 bing. Because I know, That's... I know that I was not as sharp with my messaging, so I had to play the numbers. So being able to zip, dip, zip, zip, zip was best for me. Huh. That's interesting. See, I. Now, that's not a common one, but I feel like it has value because the, you're right. There's something about the numbers in that that is just best. And the, and um, the big brick intimidated me, even through most yeah. of my years as a salesperson. I don't know that I ever really got past it. Uh, now it's I'm, it's past it. I'm fine with it now. But at the time, I it took me a while to learn that it's it even people, people, even even people who have a lot of money, they they like to buy books too. <laughs> yeah yeah they don't have and, and all they the like books. To, they buy bigger they buy bigger <laughs> that's packages. right i wish i would learn that but so that yeah yeah fair enough um favorite advanced sales did you ever have sounds like more dot lee but i don't know if you had another one that like or like cd that you listened to that oh oh um well i listened to Mort utley and the pony sure. find the pony i mean i listened to that all the time my tape was gone and then there was that musical and I, we talked about Billy something. I can't remember his name, but he had oh, that. Bill press. No, it wasn't. No, Bill. No, it was. It was a press on, press on. When it gets too tough to tackle, don't give up. Press on. Uh, he had a cassette, and I, I feel like his name is Billy. He played music, and so I would listen That's to that awesome. as my because music really inspires me. It motivates me. I, I like music. It really, kind of. I sung to myself when I was selling books all the time. I would sing between doors, make up songs. I would just keep my mind occupied with music. And so I'm singing. I'm in the book field and I'm singing. I'm singing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much Another it. That person said, no, but I feel okay. You know, I used to use a phrase. I my positive affirmation was I'm a dill pickle sometimes, and because my family likes dill pickles and my friends like dill pickles that's all that really matters so when someone say no right some people are going to like me some people aren't that was my way i would say hey hey you know what someone say no i'm not interested hey you know what i guess what i'm a dill pickle we'll see you later i'm a dill you know and then i'd run right it's like how do i just let go of a, a no move on move on <laughs> that's so good oh man um okay uh, your favorite hq I lived in, I think it was, now this was not great because I, I was totally off schedule this year, but I was, I was at an HQ with a mom who, uh, Andrew Mead, it was in Massachusetts, I believe oh, it I was Mass? Springfield, Massachusetts. Oh, uh, Lynette was the, was the mother and she was just a book mom. She she didn't, she wasn't a book mom. She didn't have, she, but she, she was our book mom and she looked after us. So I love that headquarters because it was just like, she was so excited to see us every day. And she was like, and so when I was off schedule too, 
Sorry, sorry, people listening to this. People get off schedule. Oh. Uh, but yeah, we've talked about so many off schedule stories. Yeah, yeah. So, and she, so <laughs> this is thought, where you bring those stories out. So that was fun because she would drive me, and we I'd go watch a movie, and she would go get ice cream, and 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 I was just Let's awfully off that. schedule. Now I could work in the evenings. That was good enough where I could work in the evenings and sell. And so my days I could, and I made enough to survive. Um, I was a decent salesperson. So, you know, it was my third summer. I could just go sell in the evenings and then I would watch movies or I would hang out with Lynette and Andrew and, and, and the people that were off schedule with me. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Oh, sorry. Oh, I feel bad for sharing that, but you know what? Sometimes people get off schedule, but I got back on schedule in life. Yeah. That's all matters. Listen, <laughs> my whole third summer, I was way off schedule. We talked about that. Oh, enough, you and I are like best yep. friends. We are third oh, summer yeah. off schedulers. Yeah. And Mass- no, not Massachusetts. I was in Pennsylvania. But, you know, like, here's the deal. Like, eh, you know, it's it's funny because people still, I used to have a hard time admitting that I was off schedule. And then it was just like, as we've done this show, it's been like people who've never got a schedule. And then it's like, sometimes you can have some really fun off schedule stories. Oh, my gosh. And, and, yeah. and we've actually... It wasn't recent. Like I think it might have been actually with Brandon Q two episodes ago, or some at some point we mentioned it's like when if you're the person that never got off schedule, you hit all the things, PC Mort, and you did the units, and you did the thing, and you recruited all the people. That's the Southwestern experience, brother. But there's also part of the Southwestern experience that is when you were like in this town and you went to the local movie theater or the local restaurant because they had the best wings or a really cool family. Like I, my third summer I was on schedule, I sold like a full set, which I made the sale, but then the mom, they owned a big farm, a uh, uh, dairy farm. And the mom it's during the world cup. And the mom's like, Hey, do you like horseback riding? And I was like, I love horseback riding. She goes, do you want to go horseback riding through the hills here? And I said, in Pennsylvania, like to the mountain through the you know appalachian mountains and i was like yeah so for like an hour i went horseback riding like granted should i have gone back to work absolutely sure sure but also that's pretty cool come on man that's That's a memory you still have yeah like i'm not mad about it i'm a 30 year old man during an internship like in my head i'm like look listen it's an internship you did in college it's totally cool (laughs) you spent the hour with that cool mom and the family yeah that's for sure that's for sure yeah the more it is what it is yeah that's but great. hey, Lynette, Lynette was the goat, the goat of the host moms. That's right. Um, favorite product to sell uh, back then would have been the volume <laughs> libraries. And you had some well, we sold. I mean, I'd love to learns. sell those, but I was really good at selling the cookbook. Yes. American Encyclopedia of Cooking. That's Let's right. Go. I was really, really good at getting cookbooks. That's why I didn't really have a big boost in sales when I started figuring out, you know what? You can actually sell the volume library and just throw a cookbook in. He goes, what? What? That's amazing. You can do that. And four units. And I can sell more than just the my fun with words. I can sell another. I can sell that, you know, that I can't even remember. There was like that colorful set. Um, oh, the ask me's and then the explore and learns. And then there I was another one even then. before us. Oh, but the I, adventure library or something. There you go. I, I think that's what yeah, it was. But yeah, yeah. so, you know, sort of learning how to kind of sell bunches versus individuals. That was the big shift for me. But I sure like that cookbook because I could sell it to anybody. That cookbook is great. It was. Great, great cookbook. Um, your favorite overall summer? I'm going to go with the first summer because it literally, it literally it changed was. Changed your life. It changed my life. Yeah, my first summer yeah. was definitely Same. the right one. Yeah. Same. Same. I mean, it's pretty much most people's favorite summer. Um, favorite breakfast spot? 
I don't remember, remember the name of it. I don't remember the name of it. I do remember having my oatmeal with raisins and and um, brown sugar and a little bit of bacon, and then going out in the drive in the parking lot and doing our song, the book song. It's a great day to be a bookman, right? And doing that, and then over the course of that summer, yes, people started doing it with us. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was one of the few summers where I was there pretty much the whole time. Right. Where some locations you bounce around and you might find a right. new spot. But it was pretty much that same spot for the most of the summer, as if I remember. Um, I but I don't remember it. I just I remember the spot. I don't remember the name of it. I'm about it. I'm about it. And then um your best or favorite follow day, where it's like somebody followed you or you followed someone, but you're like, that was a good day. <laughs> oh no. Oh, I remember I said I was gonna keep this PG, but uh, not because I sold anything, right? I didn't, I, I don't remember selling much this particular day, but I remember going to one particular house. Um, and let's just call him Mort for purposes. Sure. Uh, um, it was, I was the, he was, I was being followed. So I was the manager. Mort was following you. Yes, that's correct. And I went to this door and the screen was there, but the door was open. And I, I came up and something seemed a little off, seemed a little off. So I didn't knock, but I kind of looked through the screen and there was this couple on top. They, they were just doing it. That's oh right. my gosh. I have the same. And story. then I, and oh, then I was like, story. but I was, I could have left. I could have left, but I didn't. And, 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 and Mort was behind me. He, he was going, Oh, he could see what was going on. And I was like, I knocked, 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 I knocked, knocked and they, and then the, the, the woman popped up and she looked at us and I was like, oh, never mind. I was like, oh, I remember that. I, uh, I remember that. And then the next house, like, I think it was like probably the next house or maybe a house or two down. This old man with a cowboy hat, a white, like a white t-shirt and tidy whitey underwear wearing cowboy boots came out. And that was like within like, almost back-to-back houses where people came out just odd kind of experience i don't remember what he said i just remember just think of like a 75 year old man coming out standing in the doorway i mean it was and and this is my guy in the back this was his reaction when something weird would happen he'd go when i remember i remember that um i know some people really have seriously good memories for their stories but no, that's great. That was a this good has been one. Great. No, so my one. fourth summer, I had a similar in near Springfield. It was in Enfield, Connecticut, which is just south of the border of Springfield. So I would cross the bridge and then get down to Connecticut. And in Enfield, Connecticut, I had a situation similar where the screen door was closed, but the main door was open. And I knocked and I knocked on the door, but I didn't see anything. I just heard sounds. Mm-hmm. And it was it was just the mom by herself. And I was like, Oh, because you don't pay attention to any of that stuff as you're just sprinting up the door. You put your bag down. You just I don't I'm like screen door, whatever, knock on it. And then you kind of like settle to like prepare for your approach. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So then you start like, th- all right, it's going to be a great day. So you're kind of and as it got quiet, I just you just hear the sounds. And I was oh, like, oh, my word. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's like I can't just like leave really like because it's like <laughs> like. Like, do I knock again? People have seen me. Like, the neighbor's out in the yard. Like, what do I do? It's weird if I just knock on the door and leave. Like, so it's like the, her neighbor was out in the yard. 
and it's like and the owner gardeners and so i'm like i have to knock again or something i just kind of waited and then i'm like oh so then i knock again or whatever and hello oh my <laughs> god <was> crazy <laughs> and then you have to play it off like you didn't notice anything was odd oh yeah Oh yeah, no. Well, I mean, the story goes further, but to, in order to keep it PG, I might tell you that. Story oh, okay, okay. Because I mean, it's been told in other places, but I know we want because of the nature of yeah, our, you know, yeah, that's right. <laughs> our, our conversation. It's better to keep it PG. I can imagine. Um, that's crazy, man. So that that concludes the rapid fire questions, though. So that's, we made it. We made it through. So now I want to open it up to you. Uh, feel free to share. I, I I I don't know how many stories you got written down. It doesn't matter. Just tell all the ones you want to tell from any of the summers. Set set the scene. Let us know um, what, some of your favorite stories, funniest, craziest, whatever whatever you got written down. They don't have to be crazy, salacious. But the point is, it's your experience and what you said. So even if it's a story that's like that you might not think is that important, I promise you, someone listening is going to relate because we all kind of went through similar. Like, oh, I remember when that happens, you know, or when yeah, the dad shows yeah. up and or yeah, you yeah. approach the dad on the lawnmower. It's all the same. <laughs> There's two or three things that come to mind. A lot of my stories. Well, okay. So I just two, two or three. I'll, the sure. first one that immediately comes to mind that I share all the time is that I think it was my second summer. Yes, it was my second summer. I ran. I drove my car through a laundromat. So I love it. It's always when, when someone, <laughs> when someone says, yeah, I crashed my car into another car. I'm like, I got you beat. I drove through a laundromat, not necessarily through it, but okay. And so that's into the, it. that's the context. So let me tell you what happened. Right. So this is, yeah, I, it's my second summer. I'm actually driving a rookie's car. So it's the rookie's car that I broke. Oh. <laughs> and, during the previous weeks, it had rained a lot. And if you if it rains a lot, right, and you're wearing these shoes all day. Your no, you're feet, not in Seattle. No, no. I think <laughs> I'm in I'm in Manchester, New Hampshire. Heard it rains a lot in Manchester, New Hampshire. That, that's right. It rains a lot. That's right. And so it was wet. It was particularly wet. And I had gotten, I had to go to the doctor because my feet were getting all just torn up. And it turns out I had yeah. athlete's foot. Right. Both my feet were. So I had to wear Tevas. And do you know what Tevas, tevas are? Right? Sandals. Yeah. Right. So I had to wear sandals to kind of keep them dry and take care of them sure. as a way to. And so I'm wearing Tevas throughout the whole day. And uh, and so it's a day like any other day. I might have sold a couple books. I mean, I don't remember what I sold. I just remember at the end of the day, we're wrapping up. Right. I was at the end of the day. I would always kind of go to a specific location before we departed. I would just sit and chat with my first year or whoever was following me about what the lessons that they learned from the day were. What did yeah. you pick up? What are some things you, cause I, Hey, throughout the day, I don't want to, I don't want you to talk to me. Right. Don't, don't talk to me. Sure. Don't give me any coaching. Don't do anything. I want you to just take notes and just treat it like a day that you're doing it. I'm just the one talking. Right. And then every now and then I'd say, all right, you're going to sell. Right. And then, you know, they'd be like, oh, and then they'd have to talk. Right. But <laughs> for the most sense. part, there was not a lot of dialogue happening because I wanted them to, kind of experience the day. It wasn't like a fun day for them to just take a break. It was a learning day. So at the end, right, okay, now we're driving back to this particular location at the laundromat where I'm going to have my conversation with her. And if you've ever driven a car, right, and you've got Tevas and it's really wet out, right? Sometimes the rubber on the, the Tevas, they slip, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And so I've got my foot on the gas 
right? And as I'm turning into the laundromat, my foot slips, right? Like I think, you know, I'm tired. I have it on the edge. It slips yep. and I pull my foot back. But in between here's the Tiva right here. It's, it's stuck. My foot's stuck and the Tiva's stuck on the gas. So I'm trying to pull, pull, pull. And in order to get it out, I press down really fast. And then the oh. car accelerates, right? And the car just goes. <laughs> now this is at the end of the day, fortunately, right? Because I hit the I hit the curb, but by the time I hit the curb, my foot's off and I'm hitting the brake, but it's too late. My car's already up in the air, right? It's already up in the air, and here's the base of the laundromat, and it just kind of hits the foundation, and the whole front of it kind of just collapses onto the front of the car. But I see through the window, almost as if slow motion. Seriously, it felt like slow motion. The the person who's cleaning the laundromat with her with her mop, she sees me coming, and I see the mop fly. I see her flying back, and that's all I saw. Boom, <laughs> right? And there's just the car's front is completely demolished. The front of the whole building is kind of collapsed in, glasses everywhere, building stuff everywhere, bricks, and and I I sit there for a moment, shocked, and then I turn to my my first year and I go, so what did you learn today? <laughs> I had nothing else. And, and, and we did, we actually <laughs> talked about what she learned and then that wasn't on my insurance. That was on her insurance. So I, I, I still, to this day, don't really have any accidents to my name <laughs> officially. That's brutal. That was, uh, <laughs> that was quite the memory. Yeah. So that's one, that's the story that always comes to my mind. Um, Love that. that. You just can't have, yeah. Another oh. one is when my brother on the way to our territory, no, I think it was on the way to Nashville for sales school. He got, he got. Uh, Rear-ended? No, he got bumped over by a semi off the edge of the road. And so oh. he's actually sleeping and there's a rookie who's driving and she hasn't really driven before. You know, she had just got oh, her license. Shit. And so he had, to, she had to have an adult drive with her. Right. And Roger needed some sleep. So he was sleeping and I was in front and I told her to follow me and make sure you follow me and I'll, I'll, I'll take care of you. Right. And so we're driving past several semis and I'm like gunning it to try and get past them because it's raining and it's not great. And we're driving past. And then this one semi is pulling over, starting to pull over. And so I gun it and I was hoping that she would stop. Right. Knowing that she can't go, but she kept going. And this semi didn't see. So she smacked the semi smacked her. She oh. went off of the, off of the road. Roger apparently woke up, grabbed the steering wheel. Cause she he saw her going off the road, pulled the car back on, but then ran into the semi and then <sighs> smashed off, went down this deep median. If you've ever driven to kind of, to, to, you know, there's some big medians. Yeah. And then I see in the back mirror, I see this car flying across the other side of the highway, oh, across the other other side. And I hit the emergency brake, which you probably shouldn't have done, right? Going full speed, hit the emergency brake, slid off the side of the road, and I sprinted. And I remember thinking, my brother is no longer alive. And I was praying, and I was praying, and I was praying. And I got there, and the car is upside down, and... And the driver's side is so smushed. Fortunately, she's alive, right? Because she was tiny. If Roger had been in the driver's side, he would have probably been severely damaged, maybe killed. But he was already laid back in the in the in the car. And so somehow that saved him. And his side wasn't mushed as much. 
And so both of them got out. I mean, they, they shouldn't wow. be alive. And so they both survived. Um, and I just remember that moment. And so to this day, that's wild. I drive by semis very fast. I can't, I can't not. So anyways, that story comes to mind. Then he ended up yeah. Roger having Roger ended up finishing uh, having a great summer being a top salesperson and and my rookie did okay she survived he didn't he didn't pull Roger out of the car and go so I what did, did pull you him out today? oh that's right what no I didn't learn? do that no I did say what did you learn today uh, but I did pull him off which probably shouldn't have as you're thinking about it right but I pulled him out because I didn't want them inside the car yeah you want um, if the car's upside down you want to you want to not be inside of it yeah so I liquids you, move yeah. yeah okay that's probably smart but so I took him out. Good. Um, I remember oh, screaming That's at the, crazy. Yeah. And I remember saying all manners of foul language to the semi driver who went out of, who came over. I, I, I remember, I don't remember the exact words, but they were not pleasant, um, but he survived. God bless that. Uh, lucky for that. And so where, where did you guys crash? Do you remember like what state? I don't. I don't remember at all. Uh, maybe I wonder if you. I wonder if you drove through Nebraska or something. Because it could have been. I'm, it could have been. Somewhere I guess I'm only there. asking because because if the, some parts of that drive from Seattle down through Nashville, I've done haven't done that full drive, but I've drawn from Nebraska to Nashville and from Nebraska to here to the Pacific Northwest. So depending on where you go off the road in some interstates, it's like cliffs. Like oh, yeah. it's not. It wasn't. It was so a little the, more open, the, so it might have been Nebraska. That's huge. Yeah. Huge. Or something wow. like Nebraska. But that, so that was crazy. Some flat state. Yeah, Missouri, something like that. Wow. Whew, that was intense, man. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's end on a positive one because the other one that comes sure. to mind is for our uh, pie in the eye fans. If you guys remember pie in the eye. Oh, we haven't had a pie in the eye story, I don't think. Oh, oh good. All right. So let's so, go. So pie we should in the explain eye. what that is. Let, yes. You, you feel free to – I mean, I think we've had – explained what pie in the eye is, but I don't think we've had a ponytail that's pie in the eye related. Yeah. So, so it's essentially you, you pair up with someone or sometimes if you're really a top salesperson, you pair up against a couple people, depending on it for that week, uh, either units or you pick whatever it is. Most of the time it's Sit units. downs, demos. Yeah. You guys compete yeah, right. on something. And so yeah. in this particular case, it was about units and it was my first summer. And so it's pie in the eye. I'm going against Sean. Um, and we'll just leave it at that. And we're about equal in unit pro progression for the, for the year. So it was a good matchup. It was a good pairing. And, and so we're pairing, we're going against each other and we can't share it. We have to do kind of the Dan, Dan Moore thing. How'd you do? How'd you do? Yeah. Oh, I was, a, I had a, I sure had a day, you know, and you kind of sell it. Right. And so every day I would come back, I remember this particular week. I had three zero days, Oof. but I didn't, I couldn't tell him that I had zero days. I had to go, yeah, I'm doing all right. Right. I'm doing okay. Um, and this was like week 10 or week nine, week 10, yeah, something maybe like something that. like that. It was, you know, it, and, and, and so I don't know how he's doing. He doesn't know how I'm doing. But fortunately I had a couple of those days that were decent, but we're going into Saturday. Right. We're going in Saturday of the pie in the eye week and I'm sitting at, I don't remember exactly my units, but let's, um, let's say I'm at a hundred, about 150 units. Jason Vogel, Nate's brother knows me. He knows my personality. He knows what triggers me. And he comes up to me and he's like pretending like he's not supposed to do this. Right. And he goes, shoop. 
So Sean is exactly where you're at. Like you have the exact same units, like you're tied. And so shoot, this is like overtime in wrestling. Oh boy. <laughs> right. And one thing I had told him during the year is like, I never lose in overtime. I've never lost in any wrestling time my entire life through college. I never lost in that overtime part, right. That extra time. And, um, and he says, shoot, it's overtime. And I can't remember. Do you, do you lose in overtime? It's like, no, I don't. I remember, I remember him like, I don't lose in overtime. This is, this is overtime shoot. And I, what I didn't know is that he did the same thing to Sean and motivated Sean in his way. So both of us that morning, we're like fired up. We, I know that he's close to me. He knows, but I don't know that he knows. And he doesn't know that I know. And so we have both feel like we have a secret on each other. And so we go out and we both have a great day. We have a fantastic day. I had my, what turned out to be my best, second best selling day ever um, at 167 units. But the, 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 I'm selling throughout the day. I'm selling, selling, selling. I mean, I probably sold like 12 sets of books. And what ended up really tipping it over is I sold the last house. And the last house bought two books. So I sold a mother. Yeah. I sold a mother who um, was getting it for her like grandson. So random thing, right? That's how good I was on that day at selling. I sold to someone an entire volume library set with a cookbook. Right. And then her daughter came and her daughter's going to college. (laughs) Now what college? And she's like, I'll buy it too. So in one house, the last house, I sold two volume libraries and two cookbooks. So in that last house, that was what, 24 plus 5, 20, 24 plus, like 28 units, whatever, like whatever that is, multiply yeah, that chunk, 56 units or something like that, which may, put me over at 167 units for the day. And now I got in the car when Sean had to stop work an hour early to come pick me up. I'm still working. I got that last sale <laughs> and I didn't know I beat him, but we both, he had a hundred and like 20 unit day. Solid so, day. Yeah. A great day. I didn't know that. So at the end, what we're doing is we do this like skiing thing right on Sunday. We both are like fired up because we both know we got it. Oh, in the inner circle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah we're yeah, like, yeah, all right. Yeah, how many, wow, how many sold, you know, 200, un- you know, hundred units, 200 units, 250, right. We're both swimming and we're both staring at each other. You know, 300, we're both staring at each other. It's like, oh, this is my moment. best week ever, right? At the time. That moment in the circle, man. Right. And he's like, three, 320, 325. And Sean sits down and I'm still up. And I'm 360, like, you know, something. And I was like, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I could just see the dejection in his face after that because he thought he had me. And I was like, and he was like, that's because I had to pick you up late. And I was like, yeah, I sold the last house. Sorry, Sean. Sorry, bro. <laughs> anyway, so I think. That was, um, you know, after three zero days, I could have been really depressed. But, you know, great athletes, they find something that motivates them and they, they keep going, right? Great players. Awesome. And so I felt like a great athlete that day. I was on it. I was, I was, I was on my, on, on fire. And so that is, that's it. That's my, that's, that's cool, my, the baby. pie in the eye week was a great one. And think of that. Go. I made more units. I made more units in one day than I made. Cumulative, you know, cumulative my first like four weeks. Yeah. That's amazing. It's crazy how that works. Like, and and it's funny because, you know, you you think about like the, the skill and the levels, like some people, 
I think somebody just broke the company record and they did like 30,000 units for the summer, which is like, but like he averaged like 2,900 units a week or something. Oh my God. Something like that. And you're like, what? (laughs) Like, you know, and, but then at the same time, but here's the deal to, to him and to you when, when Sean pulled out of that circle, it's the same level of ecstasy because just, knowing that you put it all out there and you won and even if you didn't win like that's to him it was still like he had he probably had one of his best days of the summer he had his best but week too when you we both had our best when you're because of that when you're in that you're like this is such a cool it's that reward of knowing that you busted it and that you're being recognized for it is really unique yeah to southwestern the way they do it is really awesome so man that's awesome man <laughs> so i thought i'd end on that note like you know the Great lesson thing. is keep going keep going yeah that's right and if you get into a car accident just say well, what did you learn today? What is the lesson that you learned today? <laughs> Tevas, be careful. That's right. <laughs> I I haven't put a te- pair of Tevas on since. Nah, I love that, man. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Well, we're going to wrap this one up here for today. Thank you so much, David, for being on the show. Hope you had a blast. I mean, I always have fun. Hope so that, good. So good. Hope you Thank enjoyed you, it. Um, once again, guys, make sure you guys go check out uh, Dave will go to his LinkedIn to check out connect with him if you want to Wembley the Pug on Amazon is how you can go also find that if you want to support go buy a book go buy your kids a book uh, go buy your family I'm sure it makes really good gifts for Christmas um, go check that out for sure you can also go find him on Instagram that's at David E. Shoop author it's on the screen there um, and you can connect with him as well. Thank you so much, brother, for being on here. We'll catch you guys on the next episode, number 210. I'm Andres Gamboa, and this has been the Ponytails Podcast. Bye-bye, everybody. See you later.